This is Mary Lewis with A Tiny Homestead, the podcast comprised entirely of conversations with homesteaders, cottage food producers, and crafters. Today I'm talking with Karma at Good Karma Honey and Apothecary. Good afternoon, Karma. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So tell me about yourself and Good Karma Honey and Apothecary. Um, well, oh, where do I start? Um, about eight, nine years ago or so, um, is when I started my beekeeping journey and it just was a random thing. I had a part of my yard that I would always see out my kitchen window as I was doing dishes. And I was like, I bet you bees would really like that area. Um, and my family went through lots of honey and I was starting more of a natural journey, um, in my life. And so that's when I started it. Um, and I guess, I don't know, it's just grown from there. Um, the other parts of things that I do beyond beekeeping kind of grew with that as a, as my natural journey went along. Um, it all started with kids and researching. Um, and then it just kind of grew together organically. Um, I began my garden switch from like a salsa type garden over to a medicinal garden which the bees absolutely love when you're growing calendula and lavender and um, you know, different stuff like that. It's perfect for bees, and it's a, just a perfect marriage when you're growing things like perennial herbs and then also having bees. Yeah, it's always oh, it's, it's, it's always nice when one passion feeds the other. Yes, yes, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, so I have I have many questions about bees. I'm going to start off by saying that for the longest time, I was really afraid of any stinging insect because when I was uh, four or five, I got stung on the bottom of my foot by what I think was a bumblebee. It's been a very long time. And it definitely made an impression. And so I have given bees and wasps and anything else that will sting me a very wide berth. And then I ended up writing an article about the uh, the raising and keeping of bumblebees for bee culture, which is a, a trade magazine for beekeeping. Yep. And uh, I had to do a whole bunch of research about bumblebees and, and their life cycle and how they work and what they do. And after I did all that research and wrote the article, I wasn't nearly as afraid of bees anymore. And if any, if, if they get in the house and there's a way to, to get them back out of the house alive, we try really hard to do that. So having said all that, I understand how bumblebees work, but I do not quite know how honeybees work. So, uh, honeybees have been being domesticated since at least old Egypt time. Yes. 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 I mean, they, I think it, it could go way beyond that as far as history. I have, I don't have it on that, on my fingertips, but I'm sure, I mean, if you look at even in the Bible, they talk about it, you know, back with Moses and stuff. So that's 4,000 years. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Maybe, um, so it does go way, way back. So that's why I'm thinking it could go further than Egyptians. Yeah. Um, I just, I just know that uh, the people that have robbed tombs and, and, explored tombs legally have found honey in urns that is thousands of years old in Egypt. So that's why I bring it up. Yep. And it's edible too. Yeah. As long yep. as it's sealed, it is, it is totally fine. Yep. So I guess, tell me about how, 
tell me about the life cycle of a honeybee. How long do they, how long do they live? Um, their life span, like how long they live will vary on the time of the year. Uh -huh. um, in the winter, so my, my winter bees that go into winter have to live the, almost that entire winter. They're going to live almost, you know, four to six months. Um, whereas summer bees work themselves literally to death, the, the, at least the worker bees. Mm -hmm. And they live on average about six weeks. And they're oh. the same, same bee. They're both worker bees. But the winter ones um, will will be there's so much to it. They will be raised slightly different um, from an egg because they have a different body composition to make it through winter. They have more fat stores and stuff like that um, versus a summer bee. But <clears throat> yeah, in the summer they literally work themselves to death. They last about six weeks. Okay, and in the summer, I'm assuming that the nectar from the the flowers is keeping them fed in the winter. Do you have to feed the bees because there's no flowers for them right now? No. Um, any good beekeeper will leave. They will not harvest all the honey. So they will leave honey for them. Um, and in our area, typically you leave around a hundred pounds on a hive for the bees to overwinter with. Okay. And in the summer, do they eat any of the honey or are they just, are they just living on the nectar from the flowers and then, and then um, putting whatever's left into the honey. No, they, they certainly do use the honey. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just that they tend to collect two to three times more than what they actually need. Okay, that makes sense. And so does, I don't know enough about this to ask the right questions because I did not do my homework on this. I was just like, yay, somebody who knows about bees. Yeah. Um, so the queen bee in the hive. How long does she live? Now, if you would have asked beekeepers this, you know, 40 years ago, they probably would have said like four to six years. Uh -huh. um, but with the change in our environment with pesticides and herbicides and all the different things that are affecting with the mites, um, all the things that are really affecting bees' life, the queens, um, they generally, they'll get replaced at least once a year, if not more. Okay, and is that a, a natural occurrence or is that something that you that you do? It can happen both ways. So okay. um, there's all different reasons why you might lose your queen. I mean, they, they call it rolling. If a beekeeper accidentally, when they're looking at, they're inspecting the hive and they put a, a frame down back into the hive, they could accidentally kill her and mm -hmm. by squishing her. Yep. Um, so that's one reason why you might have to replace her. Um, the bees themselves are very, very smart, and they will notice, like, if there's something wrong with the queen, if she's not laying very well, if she's sick, if there's something wrong with her, they will then raise a new queen to replace her. Okay, so cool. All these different factors that are in place. Okay. And then uh, when... When bees swarm, when 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 you read on on in the newspaper or watch on a thing on the TV on the news about bees that are swarming in trees or on a car or something, yeah, what what causes them to do that? Is it is it sometimes because the bee the queen is gets killed or what causes them to swarm? It's a, actually a natural instinct, and it means that generally that the the hive is very healthy. And what's happening is the hive is pretty much dividing itself in half. 
And so what happens is the hive is really healthy. They're running out of space in their hive. They have lots of bees and they're like, okay, we're doing great. So then they naturally would want to, you know, make more hives. And so the half of them leave with the old queen and that's the swarm that you would see. So half that leave out with the old queen, go and find a new home. Half that stay are the ones who are making a new queen with one of the queen's eggs. So it'd be one of her daughters that would take over. Okay. I'm so, I'm so glad you wanted to talk to me because I have always been curious about this stuff, but I don't know any beekeepers. So this is really fun for me. I could talk about bees for hours. So awesome. (laughs) All right. So those are the, the detaily things about the hive and how it works. Um, I do have one more question that's kind of out there and then we'll get back to like the nutritional benefit of honey and things like that. If you know those answers, um, there is a a new hive style where supposedly you can put a spigot in it and you can just turn the spigot and honey comes out. And I keep seeing this feed fed to me on Facebook I, I feel like that's probably not a great way to do it, but maybe it is. Do you know? Yeah, that's called the Flow Hive. Um, mm-hmm. It is out of Australia, the, the inventors. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes from a completely different climate than we have in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there are, like in the Minnesota Hobby Beekeepers Association, there are some members who are trying it out, but I haven't heard anything about them absolutely loving it or anything. Um, just the way that beekeeping works here, I don't think it would be the best use of funds um, and that it would be the most efficient because generally in our climate, we harvest around Labor Day. Most beekeepers just harvest once a year. Yeah. Um, some of them, like the last few years, I've had to harvest multiple times only because I only want my hives to be so tall and I, I'm like, okay, that's tall enough. And then I will have to harvest multiple times. What a problem um, to have. That's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was looking at this, this other hive thing and I was like, I know just enough about how honey is actually harvested in Minnesota to know that it just seems kind of weird to do it the other way that they're talking about so yeah i haven't heard anything exciting about it coming out of our our beekeeping association for our area where people were like i absolutely love it you know nobody said anything like that okay cool that's that's what i was wondering about because i haven't had anyone to ask um the one person i know who keeps bees i haven't actually seen him in a couple of years now because we haven't been up to his orchard to get apples because we moved and he's half an hour well he's a little more than half an hour away now but uh, he asked my kids to help him um, do the centrifuge thing to get the oh, honey yeah. out of it. Yeah. And my youngest was very taken with this whole process. So I, I was there and watched it. And and then I asked him if we could bring the, the Girl Scouts up to see it done. And, and the guy was like, yes, please bring the Girl Scouts up. Yes. So it was it was really neat learning how how things work. Yeah, it's so, a lot of fun. Yeah. Most beekeepers will definitely be excited about that opportunity to show kids how it works. Yeah. And the the beekeeping association, the Minnesota Hobby Beekeeping Association actually has youth scholarships. So if you have 
any budding youth that really wants to get into beekeeping that doesn't have um, a parent that's already beekeeping, they have youth scholarships that they can apply for and they will be assigned a mentor and given a hive and given all the tools and be trained for their first year um, in beekeeping. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know about that. Yep. I've done it. Um, I did mentor a youth and actually it was in 2020. Um, So that was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Teaching kids this stuff is really important and not, not just beekeeping, but gardening and animal husbandry and, you know, all the things that, that people used to do as a part of daily life, because there are so many kids who don't even know where their food comes from. Yes. Yeah. And the ones who like, can't handle having meat on a bone. (laughs) Yeah, that, that too. Yes. I'm, I'm trying to be real careful to not poke too much fun because I don't want to make anybody upset, but, but literally there are kids that don't know that milk comes from a cow's udder. And every time I run into one, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Oh, the state fair is great for that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I assume if you've kept bees for eight years and you said you took this year off this past year. Yeah. And just, we're getting ready to relocate. So I, mm-hmm. I wasn't doing a lot this last summer. Okay. So. Then you, then you must really like honey and you must know what, what all the good things are about honey. So tell me what is really good about honey. Oh, well, there is a difference between the honey you buy at a store and honey that's like from a beekeeper. So if you're looking for the nutrition that comes from honey and not losing any of that, you're really going to want to make friends with a beekeeper. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many things that have happened, which maybe you've heard about, like with the altering of honey and selling of fake honey. It's really hard to know when you're buying from a store if it's actually really honey. Yeah. Um, But then there's the difference between a processed honey and raw honey. And a processed honey is going to be more filtered where they're actually filtering out more of the pollen and and some of the stuff that's very beneficial gets filtered out. And then they heat it up because in that processing, they're heating up the honey. It makes it flow quicker through the equipment. It's easier to work with. But again, what you know about heating certain foods, it does break down the nutrition, nutritional value as well. So raw honey is not um, filtered like that and it's not heated. And so you're going to have the maximum amount of nutritional value of raw honey. Um, honey itself, so raw honey, is filled with anti- antioxidants. Um, it also has little bits of pollen and propolis in it, which are also really good. So people who have allergies should really be seeking out a local beekeeper because um, the honey that comes from hives that are kept locally, you know, the, there are beekeepers who maybe live in your area, but their hives are farther away. So that's mm-hmm. something that that's to look at too. But you want those hives to be kept locally because they will have pollen in that honey, which is what's probably affecting your allergies. And so what you want to do is be taking small amounts of that honey several months before your allergy season starts and it will greatly reduce your allergy symptoms. I've had um, people who've come to me who will buy you know, 12 jars of honey and they, they do one jar every month and they're no longer taking allergy medications because of that. So is it that it builds up the antibodies in your body to the local pollen that you're reacting to? 
it's making you less sensitive. You're getting very small amounts in that honey. Yeah. And you're, you're going to be less sensitive to it. Okay. Um, so besides like allergies and then just like the nutritional content, I mean, it has vitamins and minerals in it. It has, like I said, the antioxidants. It's also antibacterial, antimicrobial, antifungal, anti pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you maybe have you been ever been given um, honey at the doctor for a wound? No, because luckily I've never hurt myself bad enough to have okay. that happen. But I have okay. read I have read about the fact that you can do that. Yep, yeah, yeah. You can get honey for wounds. Um, and a lot of times on some of my beekeeping groups, when there's flooding down south, there will be um, people who own horses will be asking for but beekeepers to donate their honey because the horses who are standing in flooding water, they get river rot. It's it's like a thing that happens to their skin from standing in the water and what they treat it with is honey. So it's really good for healing wounds. Um, so it, so it's nature's, um, uh, of course I can't remember the name of it. Now. Yeah. Salve. But I yeah. was thinking of the specific thing that everybody has in their medicine cabinet. Um, well, it's, it's great for an antibiotic. Like the researchers yeah. are actually looking at it right now because that we're, the problems we're having with antibiotics and everything being resistant to it, it's, it's um, like, what, you can look up different research, but for example, like E. coli is, or Staphylococcus or MRSA, um, there, there's a lot of antibacterial resistance to that, but honey still can take care of it. Yeah. So there's a I, lot of research and they're actually going back to honey now. Yeah, I just remembered the name. Neosporin. That's what I was trying to come up with. It's nature's neosporin. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I had another question and then I was trying to remember neosporin and now I can't remember what my question was. This is what I do. My brain just spins and I'm like, whoa, stop. Uh, There's another fun one um, just for uses of honey is there's research about it being used as cough medicine. Mm -hmm. And they actually, you can read the research where it compares, you know, like where you buy like Robitussin DM, that DM. Yes. um, Dimetha, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember the whole name. Mm -hmm. Um, They compared that medication with honey and it was shown to reduce coughs better. So honey works better than DM. Yeah. I did that with my kids when they were, when they were younger, when, you know, older than a year old, but younger than 15. Um, there were a couple of years where they came down with the nasty resp- upper respiratory stuff for, because they were in school and I would give them cold medicine to help with the runny nose and all that. And they'd still be coughing. And I finally was like, I'm going to give them a tablespoon of honey. It won't hurt them and it's going to soothe their throat and maybe they won't cough as much and it works. So we do that now. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So honey, 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 honey. Uh, I'm out of questions. Help me. You know more than I do. Tell me, tell me all you, the I can go into tons of more detail on any of the stuff you've already talked about. So like, mm-hmm. if you wanted more detail about bees themselves, mm-hmm. um, we can do that. Honey, I, I'm not sure. I mean, you can talk about like, mm-hmm. so the, it's amazing how, so I told you bees only live six weeks, the worker bees, right? Yes. In order, and th- during their whole lifetime, that six weeks, they only make one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. 
That's what I was going to ask you. Yes. And so, and in order for them to collect one pound of honey and my last, last year I had easily over a thousand pounds of honey that I sold. Um, one pound of honey, the bee had to visit 2 million flowers. Obviously it was more than one bee, but mm-hmm. bees would have had to visit 2 million flowers to get nectar to make one pound of honey. So how many hives do you have? Um, it varies from year to year and the time of year. <laughs> yeah. um, where we live right now, I live in the river Valley and it's very hilly. I'm literally, um, working on a 45 degree angle. And so I have to build, I call them bee patios on my hill uh-huh. where I've actually cut into the hill and made little, I put patio bricks down to put my hive on. Otherwise they're tilted. Mm-hmm. Which isn't good. Um, so I put mine on bee patios and I found that I felt more, most comfortable working three to four hives in that setup. Um, but I'm hoping when we relo- relocate that because I'm hoping I'll have some more flat land that it'll be easier to go up. But I have been up to 12 hives at one time. Um, and, you know, when I first started, I just had one. So it could be anywhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I said the time of the year, it varies because in the spring, depending on how many hives make it through the winter, um, which I was very successful with that these last several years and all of my hives would make it. They, they then divide in the spring and that's part of that swarming, but um, a beekeeper would try to keep them from swarming and divide them, you know, before that happens. And so one year I went, I don't remember how many hives I started with that year. I think it was three when I ended up with 12 because I had divided one and then it still decided to swarm. It just swarmed into a tree, which was right by that. And I was able to catch it, put it in a box and then I divided. So a couple of them I had to divide several times. They were just that healthy. Okay. All right. Um, so I did have a question. Thank you for talking because I was like, okay, I had three questions. <laughs> um, when I know that one year, the, the guy that we get honey from every year, except the last two, because we haven't been up there. One year he had honey that he sold us and it, it was in Jordan. We're in Lesore. We were living in Jordan at the time. And uh, it, tasted like mint it was the best tasting honey I've ever had in my whole life and when we went back to get apples from him I said um does all your honey this year taste like mint and he said I haven't even tasted it because he had had so much honey that he didn't need to taste it and I said yeah it tastes like mint he said well I know there's a wild mint patch near you know, within a mile and a half of where the hives are. He said, maybe they got into the mint. And so the last time we went up, which was like a year and a half, two, two and a half years ago, I said, did the bees find the mint this year? And he said, I don't think so. Nobody's mentioned it. And we bought a jar of honey and nope, there was no mint flavor to it. So my question is, if the bees get into like a specific plant that flowers like if they got into cilantro and they they were doing a lot of that would would that change the flavor to not not as sweet or something the so the flavor profile will be affected by the nectar that Mm -hmm. they're collecting and so if you go to farmers markets you might see um them advertising clover honey 
um, wildflower honey or like so different types of honey. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, that means and that's more commercial beekeepers that do that. But um, that means that they're collecting that honey right after those flowers would have been like the nectar from those flowers would have been collected. So it doesn't mean it's a hundred percent clover or a hundred percent, you know, whatever it is that they're stating on the bottle. Mm-hmm. It's just that that hat happened to be blooming at that time. And so the majority of the nectar's from there. And so the color of the honey will change. The flavor will change. So when, like I said earlier, I've harvested honey mm-hmm. three times in the last few summers because my bees were so like prolific. Um, what would happen is my very first harvest, which was usually um, sometime in June, was the lightest of all the honeys. So like I would, if I stood up my jars, the three different colors from the three different harvests, it would be the lightest color. And that would be mostly clover that would be blooming around that time. Um, and so it's the lightest honey. And then as the summer would go on, the hun- honey got darker. So by the time you compared my last jar of honey, which would be um, probably more mid to end of August, that would be darker. And it's, um, it's kind of funny <laughs> because at the end of the summer, that's when goldenrod blooms. Mm-hmm. And goldenrod definitely makes the honey darker. And I can also smell when the bees are collecting goldenrod nectar. Um, they say, beekeepers will say, oh, it smells kind of like stinky socks. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the honey itself, I don't think smells like that. But when they're collecting that nectar and it's, you know, like I'm, I can be 50 feet easily from the hives and I can smell it. And I was like, oh, they found the goldenrod because mm-hmm. you can just, it has this certain smell to it. Um, but I have majority of people actually their favorite is the darker goldenrod honey. They said it has more um, more flavor to it. They like that flavor better. Huh. Well, I was in love with this mint honey that that we got from him, and I'm really hoping that his bees find the mint patch again sometime in the next ten years because I would I would pay <laughs> big money for mint honey again. It was just it was so lovely. Yeah, I I don't really I'm not really a tea drinker I'm a coffee drinker, but we had chamomile tea and I put some of that mint honey in it and it was just amazing. I I was in love for about a month. Every evening I would make a cup of chamomile tea and put that pepper peppermint honey in there, and my husband thought I was insane. He was like, "You don't even drink tea." <laughs> I said, "It's not about the tea; it's about the honey, honey." And he would just laugh. That is funny. Well, you can infuse honey with different things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've done rose petals and made rose honey. That was delicious in tea. Um, So I just collected rose petals from my rose bushes. And um, I made rose infused honey. And I've also done garlic, fermented garlic honey. And that is delicious if you've ever had um, garlic honey. And then you can use it for cooking. It's so good. Mm -hmm. And it's also really good if you're sick to have that garlic honey. Yeah, it's a double whammy of, of all the best things. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, do you sell beeswax at all? I have in the past. I have it recently only because I use most of it to make other things. Um, I've I and I've so one of my biggest sellers is lotion bars that I make and it's a solid bar um, that's lotion. And that has beeswax in it. So I need my beeswax in order to make that and to make things like chapstick and candles and 
like the um, wood butter that you use for your wood cutting boards. So I end up using most of my wax and in those type of projects. Okay, then I have a question for you. Do you, is this the wax from the hives that, that you have scraped off to get the honey out? Yeah, well, okay, so <laughs> you get wax um, from, yeah, when you get the honey, you get the cappings. Yes. Some people might take all of the wax, so some beekeepers might scrape the entire thing, and then you end up with a lot more wax. The only thing with that is that you are, it takes the bees a lot of work to create that honeycomb and make the honeycomb. Mm -hmm. So you're putting yourself that much further behind the next year if you take all their honeycomb from them. So when you harvest your honey, if you just take the caps off, the tops off of the honeycomb, and then use that centrifuge to get the honey out, um, then you're leaving them the comb for the next year and they can refill that with honey and just put new caps on. Yeah. Um, that's the more, if you, if you're really looking for honey, that's the best way to go. Yeah. Um, the reason I asked is the guy that we get honey from, he's going to be a theme today, obviously. Uh, he, Mm -hmm. he had a whole restaurant style tray of the caps sitting out when we were there. And I said, what do you, what do you do with that? And he said, oh, I just put it outside and the bees clean it up and then I throw it out in the woods. And I guess, oh. <laughs> I, I guess critters like the, the wax. Yeah. And I said, um, I said, could I maybe have some of it? I said, I'll pay you for it. And he said, why would you want dirty beeswax? And I said, because I'm going to take it home and boil it until it's not dirty anymore. And I'm going to use it for lip balms and and lotion yep. and he yep. was like you that what I said no really I can do this I promise you he's like okay <laughs> he said he said come back with a box and I'll throw all that in there for you and I did oh. and I, I boiled it in hot you know I put it in hot water boiling water and did the thing where the wax rises to the top and all the sediment in the wax falls to the bottom and mm-hmm. I did it five times and it was the most beautiful beeswax I have ever seen. My house, my little tiny house at the time, smelled like warm honey the entire mm-hmm. time I was doing it. And <laughs> once it was just beeswax, it smelled like honey, even when I used it in my lip balms. Yes, it still yeah. smelled like honey. So I, that's but, funny that he, he never uses it. You know? Nope. <laughs> no, his his focus is his orchards and his shop, and he's also a. Uh, I'm gonna ruin this. He works in the funeral industry, so so he's got he's got like three different focuses, and yeah, he's a very busy man. But yeah. I took some, I took a hunk of the beeswax back up to show him when I got it done when it was clean. Yeah. And I had it in a Ziploc bag, and I handed it to him, and I said, "This is from your bees. This is this is from the beeswax you gave me." And he took it out of the bag, you know, just pulled it out with his finger. He's like, oh, "It smells good." I was like, "Yeah, it smells like honey. Weird." And he said, "How many times do you have to do this?" I said, five. He said, "How long did it take?" I said, "Hours, hours every day, five times." He was like, "Huh." He says, better you than me. I said, yep, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and there's several ways to clean your honey too. Like him, if he's got a workshop, he could certainly make a solar melter and and do it like that, where he could do large quantities. And you know, there's so many different ways that you can clean honey or clean beeswax. Mm-hmm. Um, but you definitely found a gold mine that he was willing to give you that because beeswax sells for a lot of money. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, absolutely. And I actually bought stupid beeswax pellets from Amazon last year because I didn't have any beeswax left for what I was doing. I will never yeah. do it again. I will find somebody who has actual beeswax blocks because that stuff was terrible. I have a bag and a half of it left and I don't like it. Yeah. They, they purposely, the, the company purposely dyes it a golden color to look honeyish, and I don't like it. Yeah. So, yeah, I will... I will maybe use the rest of it because I, I can't afford not to, but yeah. as soon as that's gone, I will, be, I will be contacting someone who sells beeswax and be like, I need beeswax. How much is it going to cost me? Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, I, I love bees. Like I used to just be petrified of them and then I learned about them and then I got my hands on really good local honey and then I got my hands on really good local beeswax and now I'm like keep doing your job little guys because I love you and when I go out to my herb garden and they're out there going crazy on all the stuff that's blooming in June I'm I give I still stay back because I they don't care that I'm there but I'm not going to walk in the middle of them and I just watch them do their job and pretty much thank them because they probably don't care that I'm thanking them, but bees are, are terribly important. They are, they are amazingly important. And, and, you know, what's sad is the way media portrays them. Like you look at all of the cartoons, they usually have, they draw bees as a hornet's nest mm-hmm. and, you know, like, Oh, like Winnie the Pooh goes and digs the honey out of a hornet's nest, which hornets don't have honey. Nope. Um, so they do this disservice, you know, or they say that they, you know, been chased by bees. I mean, it's really not bees, you know, it's hornets. It's mm-hmm. it's not the same thing. And even me and my kids watched the bee movie with, yeah. um, is it Jerry Seinfeld, who was the, the voice I think, in that one? I think so. But that, there were so many errors in that movie. All we did was go, that's wrong. That's wrong. Because <laughs> they just they just don't portray it right at all. Um, you know, you said you really, I think in one of your sentences, you had said something about you, you referred to it bees as male. And um, really, any of the bees that you see working flowers are girls. Worker bees are all girls. They're all female. Yeah, I think I said guys, but I use guys for, yeah. for girls and guys. So <laughs> yeah, but that's like one of the things that they did in that bee movie. Like they have the male bee is the one who's like going to guard duty and doing it in the males in the hive don't do any of that. They mm-hmm. literally do nothing. And they have the workers, the females clean up after them, feed them like the males do nothing except for leave to go mate with a queen from another hive. And if they're successful in their job, then they die. Mm-hmm. If they're not successful, then they come back and they just live off the hive. So, so, they're, yeah. so they're lazy is what you're telling me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So we always kind of laugh about that. Like that's, you know, that's literally what, if you're successful, like you die. So the ones who are there are just losers. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you are not successful. And the girls actually kick them out in the fall. They kick the boys out. So 
the the drones, which are the male bees, are easily twice the size of the the workers. And um, you can watch in the fall as they're dragging them out to kick them out because they don't want to have to take care of them all winter long and feed them. And so they literally will kick them out in the fall. So that's always fun. And then another thing about drones is it's fun because we will find drones walking around in our yard like they're at the end of their life. So they're not flying for whatever reason. And um, when we find them, it's always exciting because you can play with them. Mm-hmm. And so we will carry them around. They don't have a stinger. Drones, you know, they're only made for one purpose and they don't have a stinger. Okay. So um, their purpose is just to mate with a queen. Um, so we go like to neighbors' houses with our with our bee in our hand. Like, hey, you want to pet a bee? <laughs> so <laughs> it's you come to my house and ask me if I want to pet pet a bee that doesn't sting. I'm going to be like, are you sure it's not going to sting me? And number two, yes, yes, I want to pet a bee. Um, so I remembered my question from 20 minutes ago. Lo- okay. When you say local honey, when, when you're saying that people buy local honey from you so that it helps with their allergies, mm-hmm. how how local? Like within a mile of you or like within 10 miles of you or how does that work? I guess it depends on what you're allergic to. Mm-hmm. Um, you want them to have some of the same um, vegetation that you do. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as that doesn't change in the, you know, the 10 mile radius, the 20 mile radius, you're, you're totally fine. Okay. Um, I, depending on the part of the country, like I suppose there could be some pretty vast changes, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, the closer, the better, because you're going to have the same types of vegetation and stuff. So, okay. Then that leads me to my next question. I have terrible allergies to corn when corn is doing its thing in uh, what? First of August, when, when it's putting up the tassels and then the pollen and all that. Yeah. I am miserable. Nose runs, eyes water the whole bit. Do bees get into corn pollen at all, or is that just not a thing they do? You know, I've read that they do not, because corn pollinates through the air, like through the wind. Okay. Supposedly, like, it's not um, pollinated by bees. Mm -hmm. But I have seen things where people say that bees get into the corn. So, like, if there's a bin of corn, they're all in there getting in there. Um, So I'm not really sure what would end up in the honey. Yeah. I don't know. I just know that the field that surrounds us and then the field across the street from us was um, uh, alfalfa up until this past year, until 2023. And then they put corn in. And I know that I have an allergy to corn pollen. And I was like, oh, no, this is not going to go well. (laughs) Yeah. And it really wasn't that bad. So maybe because I've lived near cornfields for a while that it didn't bother me as much as it used to. But I don't enjoy it at all. It was really, really pretty. But other than that, I was like, corn, yay. And it was field corn. It wasn't sweet corn. So it wasn't like we could just go over and and kife a couple ears for dinner or anything either. So. Okay, um, so we don't think that bees actually do corn pollen, so that's good to know. Um, we've been talking for almost 40 minutes, and I try to keep these to half an hour, so I have one more question for you. Do you love what you do? 
I absolutely do. Yes. Um, I think bees are wonderful. The more I learn, I mean, you're always learning, right? And so the more I learn about them, the more amazed I am at how unique they are. Um, I just, I think it's great. Um, and yeah, I, I will continue to do it for as long as I can. There's so many health benefits, like beekeepers actually supposedly live longer. Um, there's interesting things that you can see about in Europe where they um, actually breathe the air from hives because it, it helps cure things so that that's why they tie in to beekeepers living longer. Oh, um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's so much stuff, but yeah, it's very interesting and I absolutely love it. Okay. And then, and then why did you get into it? You said it was sort of by accident, I think at the beginning. Yeah. Of this. Yeah. I was washing dishes and looking out my kitchen window. The sink is by a window and there's a hill there that was just, there wasn't anything there. I thought, you know, I there was um, some flowers blooming there. I was like, I bet bees would really like that. It was nice and sunny and whatever. And so I was like, hmm, I might be interested in doing that. And so I decided first to take um, a class. And so our local Parks and Rec Department was offering a class because they had just decided to make beekeeping legal in our city. And so I took that class and um, I said, well, I'm going to take this first to make sure I want to do this. Mm -hmm. And I liked it. And I just said, okay, well, and I started with one hive and I just got hooked. And you know how you said you like to watch them. I will sit outside the hive and watch them. They're so fun to watch and you learn so much. Yeah. So, so did you... Did you know anybody who who was keeping bees to learn from? Or did you just take that class and then order supplies and start a hive? I just took the class. Yeah. I didn't know anybody who was a beekeeper. Um, the person who taught the class um, actually was from France. And um, she did come over to my house once when I was getting ready to set up. I asked her if she could tell me if I was putting it in the right place because placement matters. And then I had, had her come once that first summer, a second time um, to look at something. I don't remember what it was, but I had a question about something. So she came. Um, but I, that was the only two times I ever had that. But the, I would say the biggest help in getting started was joining that Minnesota Hobby Beekeepers Association. Okay. They have monthly meetings. And before their monthly meeting, they do what's called a hive demo. So if you go the hour before the monthly meeting, they have hives. It's at the University of Minnesota, the St. Paul campus, um, where you go into the hives with them and they teach you what's currently going on, like that time of the year and what you should be doing. And so it's very hands-on. It's You learn a ton. Okay. Um, is it expensive to start keeping bees? Like you said, you started with one hive, right? Yep. Yeah, it's about $1,000 to start uh, one hive. Okay, and is that is that the hive and the, the yeah, and it maybe it's went up. You know, it's been almost ten years since I started it. Maybe it's even more now. Yeah, um, but you know, you have to buy your your veil and your you know gloves, your hive, your whatever whatever package of bees that you're going to buy. Have I know that's gone up a lot too since I started. Mm -hmm. um, and then you need all of your tools, like your smoker and your hive tool and yeah, and the the, cent and the centrifuge doohickey that my son was so smitten with when he was like ten. <laughs> spin the yeah. honey out. Yeah, I didn't have the centrifuge when I first started. No, I I didn't get a centrifuge. I don't think until my 
third year, maybe fourth year. Um, so I did what was called crush and strain for my um, honey collection. And that's where you would scrape off everything and okay. then strain it. And so it was a lot more work for the bees those first few years because I was taking all of their wax from their honey supers. And the difference between the way you were doing it and the centrifuging thing is that the honey, the bees don't have a base the next year if you do it the way that you were doing it, right? Yeah. 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 It just takes a lot more work. You will end up with less honey mm-hmm. that next year because they, they expend so much more energy to create wax than they do to create honey. Yeah. Yep, it's it's kind of like the difference between trying to build a house on sand and build a house on a on a poured cement foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not gonna work if you do it on sand, but boy, if you have that foundation, it's gonna go really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. All right, well, Karma, I really, really, you have no idea how much I appreciate you talking to me about this. I have been curious about beekeeping for a long time and let me say I have no intention of starting hives here at our little property because I don't love them enough to have them as friends but the honeybees want to come visit my garden I'm all for that so thank you so much you're welcome you have a great day you too all right bye bye